Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of 7 Minute Scaling Secrets where we interview entrepreneurs and learn a secret on how they scaled up their businesses. Today, we have two special guests, uh, my dear friends Anna and Ellen, and we're going to have a deep dive into what made us entrepreneurs and how that journey started. Uh, interesting fact, I actually don't really know some of the things uh, that we're going to cover in this conversation. So this is going to be a all, uh, you know, expose, <laughs> a, a no holds barred conversation. Um, and we were just talking about it. We don't actually know Ellen's story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Baby's not interesting is a story. Serial <laughs> entrepreneur. Serial, serial, you know, serial, like food yeah. serial. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a multiple entrepreneur. Um, Ellen, I know you started your business in school. You met your co-founder yes. in school. And this, this is a special person to you as well. Uh, but we don't really know the story. Tell us a bit more yeah. about that. This episode was brought to you by Superscaling. Join the Superscaling Ignite program today and learn how you can systemize and superscale your business so that your revenues can grow to at least $100,000 a month with a productive team from all over the world, raving fans as clients and happy founders who have true freedom. Visit superscaling.com ignite today and now back to the episode. So we, we did meet during a the the period where we were still in school but we were not in the same school because she was from NUS and I was from SMU uh, but we actually didn't start off as uh, business partners we obviously were dating before we started our first business and then we sold our first business and then we got into our second business which is Alchemy now uh, for me actually why I wanted to give entrepreneurship a try right was because uh, for, for me there was only two uh, areas that I think uh, I would be interested to um, to build my life around one was either a career in finance which <laughs> I think it will be quite uh, up uh, Anna's alley. Uh, the other will be to try my hand on building startups or going to entrepreneurships. Then uh, I was in SMU um, between what, 06 to um, 10, 2010. Yeah. yeah, so that was also right where subprime happened. And so I saw, I saw a lot of ugly things that were happening in, in the banks. And then obviously the bank was not hiring at that point in time. So even if you were getting, you probably can't. Uh, but there was also a lot of things that made me realize that um, maybe um, as exciting as that may, uh, might sound, uh, maybe I want to try my hand on entrepreneurship. And I wanted to also make it a point to try uh, entrepreneurship earlier on before I had um, significantly more um, baggage and, and more dependence. You know, if you have kids or, you know, if your parents really need you um, to supplement their income then it becomes harder and harder to put the trigger to go into entrepreneurship. So I wanted to just ensure that before I have many of those liabilities, just get started early. Wow. So your then fiancé or girlfriend, Bernie, then girlfriend. <laughs> who, who now is your wife, uh, the, the, the topic of business, how did that start? Did you convince her? Did she convince you? Did you guys just like suddenly thought, think of that idea? Like how, how did it begin? Yeah. So for me, it was quite a journey. Uh, I, I was reading a lot of self-help books and then I was just thinking about what was my personality, right? Whether I see myself sitting down in a nine-to-five job for the rest of my life, the answer was no. Uh, and then that kind of like decided for my side. Lah. And for, for her, right, it was kind of subconscious because her dad uh, is an entrepreneur. So growing up, she has seen her her, her dad, you know, uh, take on risks, you know, get rewards, um, gotten good, uh, yeah, gotten good returns on on on, on business, and then for her, it was just a very natural progression that she's something that uh, they wanted to do. But I guess what's um not obvious at that point in time, right, was how do we end up with you know our first 
business, which is Soyato, a uh, low calorie ice cream, and also Alchemy now, where we are helping with sugar and carb control. It's uh, it's at the point in time, it wasn't clear that we we're going to head towards food business, or we're going to end up, you know, coming up with with solutions that helps uh, uh to improve people's lives. Um, but what I also realized um about myself at least. Is that I think I need to really feel the problem in order to work on the business. So the first business was a low calorie ice cream business, right? It happened because we were going out on a lot of dates, and then uh, when we were at uh, when we go out for dates, right, we go out for ice cream. Um, I guess partly also because I was poor student, it's cheaper to go for ice cream than go for a meal. So so we went to a lot of ice cream parlors, and then we realized that you know people who eat a lot of ice cream tend to also put on a lot of weight. So I wanted to eat, and I didn't want to grow fat. So that was one of the the, the core motivation for us to want to, to start the first uh, business. Uh, we subsequently sold that off uh, to a restaurant group in uh, three years after starting it. Um, and then we move on to Alchemy where we help with sugar and carb controls so people can enjoy carbs and sugars without putting on weight is one, but also more importantly to fight the global diabetes uh, problem. And, and that really um, started because of my family history. It's been well ingrained uh, over the decades that I was growing up. Sounds a bit old, but it's been almost four decades now that I've been around. Uh, but what happened was that uh, both my grandmothers, they passed away due to diabetes complications. And uh, diabetes, obviously, is a problem that's uh, linked to the diet, especially if the diet has a very high uh, refined carbohydrate component to it. And then my mom has six siblings, right? Five of them are diabetic. My mom oh. is still safe. So, yeah. So for me, it was very clear that, you know, uh, either we have a technology that comes out to help people or, you know, one day it's going to hit my mom, one day it's going to hit me, and I really don't want that. And I've seen so many instances that kept shouting to me that, you know, we need a solution. Like, yeah. for example, one, uh, there was once, right, my aunt, she went to for a checkup um, she was supposed to have a blood drawn, right, to measure her blood sugar levels. And she basically just told the doctor that she lied flat out to the doctors and said that, oh, you know, I have a phobia for needles. Can I um contribute my urine samples instead? So what she did was that she went to the washroom and then she diluted her samples with water. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, just so that she can cheat the test, you know, hey guys, my, my test result not so bad. Can I have my sugar coffee? Can I have my rice? Can I have my this and that? And cheating of the test, of course, is not a solution. Eventually the consequence come back. But it left a deep impression in me like, that, you know, um, I think we need a good solution. Otherwise, uh, quality of life for everybody, not just my family, will be affected. And that's how we then, you know, ventured out and started Alchemy. Holy crap. <laughs> I, I love the fact that it's all tied to, like, something that's personal to you, uh, a yeah. problem. Uh, that's one of the things that I think uh, is the fundamental pillars of a good business that it's rooted in a, a purpose, a problem, or you know, solving a, a, a need in the market. Hey, what about you, Anna? How did you get started? Actually, it's quite interesting. You know, I was as I was listening to Alan, I, I realized that we have known each other for so many years and hang out so often, but I've never heard his stories, right? Um <laughs> So, um, okay, uh, for me, I, I think it's um, it's very interesting that I'm speaking to the two of you because in my head, I just keep thinking that the two of you are the OG entrepreneurs, right? You guys were entrepreneurs before entrepreneurs become cool, you know? Um, I, uh, hmm. I think Ellen and I, I, I think three of us graduated around the same time. I graduated uh, in... Uh, uh, around, <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's a big range there. <laughs> Around. <laughs> I, I guess I graduated the earliest uh, in 08, right? And um, unlike the both of you, I've never wanted to be an entrepreneur or a founder. Uh, all I wanted to do was actually be in finance. Um, and the reason is because I wanted to, uh, I mean, unlike uh, Alan's wife, girlfriend, then uh, my family had our own family business and we have always struggled with it and uh, during financial crisis it was uh, I think we were 
we were not doing very well. So growing up, I always recognized that money was hard. And uh, I knew that being the oldest daughter, the oldest kid, I have to be the one paying off the debt, right? So all I wanted to do was uh, work in finance, get financial security. Yeah. So I actually spent about 10 years in finance um, in various departments, uh, the last being wealth management. And uh, I left. Uh, and, and even until then, I never wanted to be a. I never wanted to be a founder. I thought that was the worst horrible thing that you can do to yourself and your family. Yeah. Um. And so I think funny I story. Uh, I am the eldest in my family too, and I took I took it to my uh, upon myself to you know take like clear the family debt and and take care of the family's financial situation. But for me, it was like very clear that I had to run a business in order to do that. It's so strange how we are like completely different paths from the same like stimulus. I didn't start any business for thirty million. <laughs> Back then, it was I did not start a thirty million dollar business. I started a three hundred dollar business. Yeah, but I I think that also shows your courage, right? And and your clarity. For me, no, I, no, I just no, 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 it's stupidity and naivety. No, what's yours, Alan? Well, if uh, being stupid makes me 30 mil, I, w- I'm lo- I would love to be stupid today. <laughs> I'll be stupid every day. <laughs> yeah. There's the ignorance of youth, guys. Oh man, there's a lot of brilliance in there, a lot of bootstrapping. Yeah. I mean, and what's, what's interesting is, is that I think Alvin, at that point of time, there was no... I, I believe that most of, most of us wanted to be a consultant, a banker, you know, a lawyer, a doctor, right? Being entrepreneur wasn't really something that um was widely accepted or was was not invoked unlike today. Yeah. So I, I yeah, I think even when I left my banking job, I want I started the new savvy that was my first foray into uh founding a company. And I wanted to do it for fun. Um I actually okay, I actually had health issues. So I stepped uh, I mean I, I, I left my job and I thought to myself, you know, I've been very lucky throughout my whole journey. You know, I've achieved a lot of things that I wanted. I have bought, uh, so so one of the first financial goals I have was to buy a HDB, as I was sharing earlier, right? At 21 years old. That um, was the result of one specific course in SMU that changed your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think we all lived uh, in 06, 07, where, where everything was going up, uh, you know, stock market, rental. It's it's almost like the past few years. And I think at that point of time, only my mom was working and we couldn't afford any increase in rent. And so I always live with the fear of not having a home, right? And like I mentioned, I always wanted, uh, and I thought to myself, okay, you know what? Uh, you know, being young and dumb and naive, right? Uh, I said, I want to buy a home for my family. And it, it, it just means securities to me. And being 21, I really didn't realize how expensive HDBs are. I thought, you know, it can't be that expensive, right? So in that particular course that you are currently teaching, um, I actually Googled, you know, how much does a HDB cost? And it was like, I think about 500000 And I, I, I got really shocked because to me, how can I, you know, a very ordinary, very, very plain 21-year-old, right, with no special talent uh, afford that? So, so that was the start of my financial journey and also of how um, setting financial goal, being very clear of what I wanted. I managed to achieve that. And um, I think during my health care, I thought to myself, I've been very, very blessed. 
how can I help others? Because when you look at um people around your age, right? They were at that time they were complaining about you know HDB being very expensive, and it is so for a lot of us who don't have you know financial um gifts from our parents. I think it's very important to make very good financial decisions. Yeah, and that was why I started the new savvy. No, again, it boils back down to purpose, right? It can't be just a business or an idea that we have some passing interest in. Uh, that is not going to keep you going because business, uh, all of us went through it, right? The initial stages when business was tough, uh, you don't know where your revenue is coming in. You don't know whether your team is going to stay intact. You don't know if your customers are going to renew or even like buy more things from you. You don't know if your product or service is good enough. Uh, in spite of all these like challenges, you've got to keep going. And unless you have something stronger, right, like a purpose or you know a problem that you really want to solve and you can like obsess about, um, I think it's very very hard to really grow a business. And that's what people I think these days tend to uh miss out on. Like they they see the glory of like successful entrepreneurs and CEOs like Bezos and Elon Musk and they want that but they don't see the journey that it takes right to actually get there it means like sleepless nights anxiety stress burnout or, or whatnot right and um, that is what's necessary to have that purpose to keep you going actually I have a very interesting story about this so um which highlights I mean I, I think um I about one and a half years after I started the new survey, we were growing quickly and we wanted to raise our series A, right? And what happened is we got hacked. So uh, um, I, I know this story. You were like <laughs> telling me about it. Yeah, and uh we have a thousand over articles, um, and everything was wiped wiped out, right? I, I mean it's very dramatic. It you can actually see as the days goes by, you know, you just there was something wrong with the website. I just can't figure out why. But I think after the fourth day, everything was gone. And 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 then, you know, I, I mean, it was a flurry of events. We got other developers to help us. Uh, we had three backups, right? And and then they demanded 30 bitcoins. The hackers demanded 30 bitcoins, yeah. Wow. Uh, but what, I mean, the whole... We never really recovered it. In fact, even after one, two months after we rebuilt the site, I have to call like, you know, the, the telco saying, hey, you know, can you please take me down from unsafe site because we got hacked and all that because we were actually put on unsafe site. We have never really recovered. But even during those times, I, I think it was very traumatizing for me. I, uh, first, you know, um, you have to lead a team, right? Number two, uh, you I'm also answerable to investors and to our readers. But also, I think on a personal scale, like what you say, it highlights all your inadequacies and all your weaknesses. And then, you know, you ask yourself, why are you doing this? And who are you to think that you can even solve this problem, right? Yeah, exactly. Man, so do you, do you end up paying that 30 Bitcoin ransom or? No, we never. Yeah, I I, I mean, we, the good thing is uh, we actually had a lot of... Uh, help from other developers i think you know i i think i find technical people a very special breed of people they have all this sense of justice you know um so they were all helping me pro bono right over 
but we never paid. We tried to rebuild the site. I actually wanted to just give up, you know, and I, I wrote, I remember drinking myself every night. And one day I just said, okay, you know, if I don't do this, let me write down everything I can do, right? Like including going back to the bank. And I was like, why do you want to be a founder, right? Because you actually earn a lot more money in a corporate. Most people do. Uh, it's more stable. You have, you know, you don't have... The stress is different. I don't, I mean, in corporate, you have a lot of stress. But I, I think having, being a founder is like being a parent. It's 34-7. Yeah, never ends, and never stops. Everything matters sing- so much. Huh? Were you single when that happened? Uh, was I single? No. <laughs> why? Uh, I was thinking, do you think that was why the engineers were helping? <laughs> uh, actually, um, I was, uh, I was, I was uh, dating a, a startup founder, and his his engineers helped me also. Yeah, I wrote oh, an eight thousand word essay. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was curious. <laughs> but also, I I think it kind of uh highlighted you know everything that you I wasn't good at. Like, which is technical knowledge, right? Uh, and and it was really a period where I went, I dig deep and think, really wonder, you know, what what is this, right? Like, why am I doing this? Uh, and yeah, I mean, going back to Alvin's point, it really highlights the purpose beyond yourself, you know. Um, and I think for Alan and Alvin, it's really about helping people and making sure that you do a good job for the people that you're trying to help. Yeah, when I was brought up, I, I think I was really like having these values of uh, responsibility uh, drilled into me. And, and that, I think, is something that I, I hold very core to myself, right? Responsibility to my commitments, to, uh, you know, my customers, to my team, to my co-founders. Uh, I think that's something that is my, one of my primary drivers as well. Oh, Alan, do you have any like stories where your site gets hacked, uh, you know, your business is just inaccessible for many days and things like that. I mean, I think throughout the uh, entrepreneurship journey, there's been a lot of times where people prompt, this is really what you want to do. Actually, this began even from the very beginning. So for me, uh, when I was a kid, right, I hated studying. So, uh, you know, I, I was from the normal academic stream um, and then uh, uh, couldn't make it to JC, so I went to poly and then my, my parents were more or less thinking that, uh, you know, there's a, probably no chance that this guy's gonna go to university. Uh and then uh and then when I didn't make it, they were like, oh my god. <laughs> they must have gotten the name wrong, but never mind, we'll take it. <laughs> and then uh, and then when I finally completed my studies and I told them that uh and when I completed my degree, right? Um uh and my undergrad studies, and then they were thinking that finally uh our son can go find a job in the bank and, and get like decently paid. And then we told them, and then I told my parents that you know I'm not gonna find a job because I want to start my own business. And then they totally flipped. And then my, I remember one day my dad came in with an article from Street Times saying, hey, you know, SMU grads, finance degree tends to start from this pay to this pay. You know, the top echelon starts with this pay. Even if you're not at the top echelon, you are getting quite decent pay. You know, are you sure this is what you want to do? <laughs> yeah, so I think a lot of times there were a lot of stones that were thrown. Uh, I mean, okay, I, I think people do it out of the uh, goodness of their hearts, especially for my parents. They, they were fearful for, for me and quite fairly, right? Uh, there's a lot of risk in entrepreneurship. But there were also times where even like uh, my SMU uh, schoolmates uh, who after graduation, they all have like good paying bank jobs. A couple of years after I started out, I'm still struggling. And then they were asking, you know, when are you finally going to get a proper job? So I think uh, throughout, throughout, throughout my life, there's always been a lot of like uh, hurdles. But then I realized that the if, if you believe the mission, that's what always going to keep you going. 
um, throughout our days, uh, we've been hit by uh, many uh, different uh, uh, crises as well. I think COVID hit us pretty hard because we we were actually, uh, just our story is uh, this back to about 2020 when COVID first happened. Uh, we had a series of launch events that was already uh, been designed. It was it has been planned out by the various partners, restaurant partners, and then we even have event halls that was uh, secured. Uh, we were going to host this uh, big uh, launch event in SMU, actually, uh, School of Law, because that, that was the time where uh, School of Law was just uh, unveiled. We even had uh, ministers as guests of honor that was already secured. The media has been seeded. Everyone RSVP, they, they were going to come. And then suddenly, COVID hit and no event was allowed. And then no dining was allowed. And then suddenly, nobody, you know, everybody was saying, you know, we've got to push back our launch. And then a lot of things was dependent on that launch because we were building up the story, right? Um, we're getting the product into the market. We're getting feedback. We're getting media bars. And then with this, it, it builds up a nice story for us to raise our next round. And if you, as a startup, before you launch your product, you're basically in, in burn mode. Right, the first five years of our project, uh, it's a lot of R and D, it's a lot of clinical yeah. studies, filing for patents, because we 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 really want to make products that work. We we don't want to sell fluff. In order to make sure it works, that we had to do a lot of tests, a lot of R and D, and a lot of these clinical studies. So we were all ramping up to this big launch, right? So that we can reach around, and then we can expand the team, and then we can provide more jobs, and then we can get more solutions to more people who need it. And then suddenly, COVID just hit, and then we have to pivot everything. There was no launch. Uh, there was no revenue that was coming at that point in time, at least not on time. Um, and then suddenly you are you may not be able to race around, but you have people to feed, you have people to take care of. So you have to go into the office, you have to face them. Um, you have to, I, th I think one of the challenges that I constantly face is also how much of the brand of uh, outside world should we be sharing with also our people? Because our, our team is also made up of like a mixture of people who are more experienced and some of them are also a lot younger. So um, yeah, when, when and for those who have dependents at home, uh, whether it be kids or elder parents, we also uh, are very mindful that they need a secure income. So I think when when, when crisis like that hit us, um, it, it, was, it was very difficult times. It was anxiety. It was very difficult to sleep. Um, every day it was long nights. Um, it was talking to a lot of investors, talking to a lot of partners. You know, can we launch earlier? And then pivoting our plans and pivoting the product. And then because we are a physical product business, right? Uh, pivoting product takes a lot, takes time because you see, you you need to get a production plan out, and then you need to get your partners uh done uh on board, and then they have to get their marketing team on board. And at the point in time, most people are just trying to survive. <laughs> Restaurants are not allowed to operate, which Anna will know very well. <laughs> they were only allowed to do like delivery sales, right? So nobody was in the right frame of mind to launch anything new. But then at the, at the same time, we also had to keep our people alive. And then um and then I I I remember I had this um talk with the rest of the company and just, I just promised them that, you know, we're going to do everything that we can to avoid any retrenchment, to avoid any no pay leave, to avoid any pay cut. So even if it means that the founders going to take a hit on their shareholdings, you know, if we can raise capital to keep everybody alive, this is what we're going to do. And then uh, fortunately, we we went to our various investors and then they saw our technology. They saw that, um, especially on the corporate side, we had quite a number of food companies that invested. They see that, you know, um, COVID is going to come and go. But diabetes is still going to be here, right? Our technology is still going to be needed. We can supercharge many of their uh, future products when uh, they will launch in, in the decades to come. So they will bring the support and then we got the funding and then I went back to my team and I said that, you know, I've kept my promise. You know, we kept everybody alive. So um, that, was, that was something that well, I was very relieved. Uh, I think uh, especially for those that are dependent, they were relieved as well. Uh, but that was, that was just one of many, many instances where, you know, I think um, believing in the, in the mission is very important. It's very important. I think if we didn't, believe that you know we're doing something important for the world probably we will just go look for a job it's so much easier to look for a job yeah <laughs> i love what you did because i mean it really shows uh, that's that's leadership right and it's not what you say but what you do that truly represents uh you 
And I think in yeah. term in, ter- in in good times it's really easy to say and say that you do things, yeah. but it's the bad times that uh leaders, people are able to show uh you know their true values by what they do. And I think what you did when times were, were bad and you had to really, you know, act on your word and, and find that kind of capital to keep the company alive and keep the team intact, uh, I think really shows uh leadership. So yeah, kudos Thank to you. you on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I learned from you guys. <laughs> uh, that's I think that's the responsibility of a business leader, a founder, an entrepreneur. It's not just yeah. our lives already. At first, when I was growing my business, I thought it was just about making money. And then after that, I realized our customers depended on us. Then I realized yeah. the team depended on us, or in fact, like yeah. the co-founders, my my co-founder and I, right? And and there was so much responsibility. I couldn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I don't feel like doing it. I'm just going to let go of everything. I, I can't. There's a team that I need to take care of. There are customers that have their businesses depend on us. And that was something that, you know, really shook me and, and showed me that entrepreneurship wasn't just about a simple, like, you know, money-making venture. It was so much deeper than that. I think, yeah. um, it, uh, you know, I, I agree with both of you. There was one, I, I think I said this before, when you were, all of us started wanting to do a business, whether to solve a problem or to make money, right? But ultimately, I think we are actually, you know, the, we are responsible for the people that employ us other than our customers. And by return, you're actually responsible for their families. Yeah. And that's a very great responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I I think I was like always there was one time I think I just got a one of those like panic loops or anxiety loops. Cause you start thinking, holy crap, sometimes these people that are in your teams are like the breadwinners of their family. Sometimes they are the sole breadwinners, and, and suddenly the weight of responsibility becomes so much more magnified. Um uh, yeah. Exactly. That's I, I, I think you know, do you remember when um there's one time during COVID at the start of COVID? I, I remember texting that, you know, in our group chat, right? I, I was like, I'm very evil. <laughs> that was before lockdown, before circuit breaker. And I told you all, you know, I just had some talks with my partners and, it, you know, we were saying what is the worst that can happen, right? And the worst is that we shut down our businesses. And and I told them like, okay, you know, um, I, I think my only request is let's not, uh, let's not let anyone go. Right, that's all. We can don't take money. We can don't, but let, let let us take care of everyone. Even if we have to put down a no pay leave, let's just try to keep everyone on payroll until we we survive. And and no, none of us could have predicted how bad the past, you know, I mean, how bad COVID uh, was, right? I mean, circuit breaker, all that. And I think um, it, it's a very harrowing time for most people. It's very traumatic, traumatic, right? And but also. I guess you learn a lot and you become more resilient and your teams actually work better with each other. Yeah, I remember you were telling us that you were doing deliveries. Like all of the founders <laughs> were doing deliveries. The partners, the founders. In their nice cars. Yeah, some of them even had very fancy cars, right? Like, And they were doing deliveries with that. Um, but I, I mean, that is, again, leadership. Right? I think leadership isn't just being a manager. It's also, it's also something that uh, needs you to demonstrate the the things that you you are demanding for. If you are demanding for 
punctuality, then you better be punctual. If you are demanding for people to be responsible, then you should be responsible yourself, right? And if you're demanding for people to go the extra mile for the customer, then you as the founder better make sure that you are also somebody that will go the extra mile for the customer. Um, and that, that I think to me is something that differentiates a, a good leader from somebody that maybe is just, you know, not so good. <laughs> Actually, talking about customer service, I, I must say that you know I was very impressed with you and your co-founder. Um, when I first start, started the news, you have to understand this is like a 10-year banker, okay? I know nothing and the website was down and this was the day, <laughs> I don't know why I remember all these things, the day before a public holiday, if I'm not wrong, it's a good Friday and, um, and actually your, uh, your co-founder called me at 11 to troubleshoot the problem. At eleven a.m. and I was at eleven p.m. and I was like, okay, this is amazing, and then they managed to resolve it in, in you know within a few hours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes there will be calls at three a.m. too. <laughs> sometimes people will just call just to talk to us. Like they, they didn't have a problem. I think their problem was that they were lonely and then they were... lonely. <laughs> they found how you look and they decided to call you. <laughs> hey, Alvin, can we can do, I see do your that pets? now? Can we do that now with CLDY? <laughs> right. So yeah, I I don't handle CLDY calls right now. But my co-founder doesn't handle CLDY calls also. But that was that was the way back man when we had no team. We had to really feel everything ourselves and like calls, emails. That was all done by us. So yeah. That was my phone good. number my, my phone number is the reservation for Miss uh for Mrs. Fa and Suta. <laughs> like the actual phone like, number, mobile like, number. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh what do you want? Okay, I'll order. Can I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think this is I think it's something again like what leadership means. Uh I remember there was an engineer, a software engineer that we had a, a programmer uh who told me something couldn't be done. And I was like, it can be done. And uh, I took out some some time, like a few hours, to actually show him that it's possible. Um, and I, I think it's 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 uh it's really powerful when you're able to show your team that you can do the things that you're asking them to do. Uh it it lends a lot of uh, respect and a lot of uh you know uh they 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 start to believe in the things that you say and, and ask of them as well. So that kind of leadership is kind of like servant leadership, I think, showing that you're down in the trenches with them, you're, you're willing to do the work that you're asking them to do, uh, and you're not afraid of getting your hands dirty. Yeah. yeah. But this also reminds me, it, 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 it can spark a different reaction depending on who you're talking to. I think those that are driven, they start to realize that, hey, you know, my boss can do it, I can do it too. But I've also met people who I've gone through the same exercise with them, right? You know, we can close certain customers, why can't you? And they say, and they, the response is just, boss, you're good. <laughs> I'm not as good. <laughs> not the intended effect. <laughs> yeah, then, I mean, really that, personnel change. yeah, depends on personality, depends on character as well, and also depends on like, the kind of training systems where we put into our business, right? So uh, I always believe that, you know, a founder, let's say they can do like 100% of the job, right? That kind of performance. Uh, when you start hiring a team, you're not going to be able to find somebody that's able to perform 100%, but you can find somebody that maybe performs at about 60, 70%, but you can find, find many people like that. And that's how you start building a team, right? The idea of a team is not so that you can replicate yourself, but the team can support everybody 
uh, and everybody's workload gets like distributed and responsibilities get exactly. distributed. And to do that, you need systems and to, do, and to build the systems read your book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, I gave I, I gave your books as gifts to so many people. Isn't it? Yeah, thanks. I, I hope they enjoy it. I know I, I saw some stories being posted. Um yeah. I, I actually think this is the last run of the books already. So I think yeah, probably not gonna be having physical copies anymore. It's just way too much of a hassle. Um so everything's wow. probably gonna be online or, or through Amazon. Um yeah. <laughs> So these are limited so edition books. Limited edition, oh, exactly. I still have we a can few. sell on Carousel now. <laughs> <laughs> Not now. After after there's no more. <laughs> after five years. <laughs> Each oh, book only two thousand dollars. Corner the market. Yeah. Market manipulation. <laughs> All the finance. Monopoly, monopoly. Oh my god. And then we will sell option to buy the book. The finance people are coming <laughs> out, man. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's how we all got started. I love the fact that we all had a purpose and were driven. Uh, I know Alan pivoted his business, right? Why? Why was the original business of of Soyato the low calorie soy ice cream? Ice cream? Yeah. Why? Why mm. was that something that you wanted to exit at that point of time? Yeah, because at that point, we uh, were already in like major supermarkets. We started having some early exports, but uh, in the consumer packaged food, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> in the consumer food space, I think you do need branding power. Uh, you, you do need money uh, in order to go to the next phase. There's only so long you can stay online. Very quickly, you hit that that that, that, that ceiling, right? And you, you need to go offline, then you need money. And so it was, at that point, the choices were raise money for the ice cream project or double down on the alchemy project because we were running both at the same time. Oh. But in terms of impact, in terms of potential, in, in terms of just my family history, you know, I think alchemy spoke a lot more to me. It made a lot more sense. Uh, that's why uh, we had a diverse one. And it's very difficult to also raise funds for your projects if, you're, if you tell investors, hey, I'm also working on something else. <laughs> if your attention are divided, <laughs> I think they're going to be very, very concerned. Yeah. In fact, I remember the first term sheet we signed and the first investment document that we signed, it mandated that we had to stay in the company for at least three years and we had to be full-time. So I already saw it coming I mean, and, and I think that if I put myself into the shoes, this is what I would expect as well. Otherwise, why do I invest? What am I investing in? In the early stage, we're investing in the people and the people's not here half the time. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Three years is actually not very long, right? Uh, three years is not too long. Uh, Yeah, actually. So, uh, but that's not too bad. And the subsequent agreements that we signed, we, I didn't have that clause, but it, I think it's also very clear that we're very committed to this. Uh, crisis other crisis we are we had a holding power and then we pivoted in different ways um, we started the project for alchemy on trying to make uh, more of the starchy foods uh, and staples like rice and bread healthier so that you have uh, stable blood sugars after right now we pivoted more into also sugar control so we helped to reduce sugar in things like cakes and, and, and uh, cookies and we started pivoting also because it's just a lot of market feedback you know, a lot of uh, wish lists. A lot of people say that, you know, if you can make this cookie you know, sugar-free, you can make a cake, the ice cream sugar-free, lower fat, you know, I'm just going to buy, just take my money. <laughs> so I think this is also one thing that we we, we, we learned a lot over the years. It's, it's really important to keep our ears on the ground, listen to people. Yeah, and then uh, no matter how big you become, even though we're not big yet, I I, I hope that I'll always remember that no matter how big we, we become, right, we've got to spend some time on the ground understanding the customers, which is, I think, what Elvin and his partner has, has done very well. Doing every single call, uh, maybe not every single call, doing some sales call, some of the troubleshooting and 
customer service, I think is is what really keeps you in the know of what's happening in your business. Otherwise, you know, it, it's not going to happen. So that's how we also ended up uh, pivoting. And I'm really glad that we did. Because right now we are uh, in the phase where we're working with some international fast food restaurants. And that wouldn't have been possible if, if we didn't have this pivot. Nice. So yeah, I think pivot is like the only constant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And pivot, not for pivot's sake, but pivot based yeah. on what the market is requesting for. And sometimes that's the best way to find out, right? You just got to make sure that you're out there, you're talking to your customers, you're putting things out in the market and getting the feedback. Uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs also ask me because of super scaling and all the people that I talk to, uh, sometimes they are just afraid of putting themselves out there and they are just looking for that perfect answer before they, they begin. But guess what? I think entrepreneurship is never something that, you know, you'll be able to have a, a perfect plan for. Everything's going to change. I, I don't know what's going to happen to my business tomorrow or the next week, right? Like if you ask me what happened like six months ago, no, hell, even three months ago, uh, I wouldn't have expected that, right? So there are so many cons- uh, changes and I think change is the only constant that we can prepare ourselves for. You know what you say sparked so many thoughts in my head because I've had people who come from like, a very impressive uh, history of corporate jobs and they have this perfectionist mentality that everything must be perfect and it really drove me crazy because it takes you forever to build a perfect product sometimes there's only just two or three core attributes that people want in the product and, and people are willing to buy yeah. but then they delay then but then we end up delaying launches delaying campaigns delaying things like that because we're always trying to be perfect yeah <laughs> it drove me really crazy yeah that, that can't happen with uh, on, uh businesses especially at the start we've got to be nimble i think that's the only way businesses can stay ahead of like especially the big giants right the mncs cannot innovate or be as agile as as small exactly. businesses and the nimbleness needs to be inherent in everybody right that that difference between yeah. perfection and progress needs to be clear right progress over perfection i think that's the mantra that uh, entrepreneurs need to instill in their organizations. So right now when I recruit people, I try to look for, I mean, we need different skill sets for different positions, obviously, but then the overarching qualities, I look for energy, I look for openness. People who came comes in with like over uh, oversized baggage <laughs> tend not to fit very well because they're thinking, oh, I need to be perfect, I need to do this the old way and yeah. things are just going to come to a draggy stop. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's clarity over you know, the values and attributes that make up for your, make up your company culture. Awesome. Um, all right, I'm, I'm looking at the time and I'm cognizant of the fact that we are nearing our heart limit. Um, and so these are two questions that I always ask guests on uh, the 7-Minute Scaling Secrets podcast. Uh, and I'll ask this of both of you as well. Uh, the first question, what is the most important habit to be a successful entrepreneur? Uh, let's start with Anna. Um, I will say consistency. So I, I think as an entrepreneur, you need to be consistent in the things that you do, um, the things that you say and your values. I, I think that's very important. I mean, it's a lot of what you preach, right? Whether it's, you know, whether it's fitness or, you know, um, it's easy to get motivated and to get excited by new shiny, you know, ideas. But you, you really need to have consistency to achieve your goals oh i love that yeah and and i say that all the time too it's not the intensity of things it's really just being consistent and showing up on a daily basis taking that small step towards your goal all the time (laughs) that's why i'm consistently drinking (laughs) (laughs) oh man sam is the one that's consistent (laughs) 
<laughs> what about you, Alan? I actually had consistency as one of my points, but fortunately not the only point and not my top point actually. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think for me, uh, anyway, on building on a consistency fact, right? I also read a report, right? There was a study that was uh, done across all successful entrepreneurs. They found that uh, number one, you can't be stupid. But number two, um, <clears throat> being a genius also doesn't mean that you're going to uh, make the cut. Beyond a certain IQ threshold, right? It's all about work rate and consistency. Being there, showing up every day. So this is something that I... I, I hold very dear to my heart um, and I also remind my people and myself especially. But I think the number one habit I feel you know someone needs to have and in order to be successful is to have humility, is to have is to be humble. I think at the very start when things don't work out, we need to you know put our egos aside. Um, you know, whether we were, were the ones to make the wrong call or not, it doesn't matter. We just had to put our egos aside and, and try to find the root of the problem so that we can scale and, and grow to the next stage. And also I, I do see this becoming uh, ego and as well as uh, humility becoming a big problem for people who has achieved some kind of success sometimes because you know because of past success they will feel that uh, I cannot be wrong or maybe this will work then you should work now um, but I think what I realized is that for companies and teams that has been successful over long periods of time it's not they are successful in long periods of time not because they started being successful years ago they're successful because they kept renewing their success over and over again they review what has been happening in their business whether the market has moved and then they pivot over and over again, they renew the success over and over again. And I think this ties down to can only can only happen if someone is truly humble and, and approaches with things with humility. So I think that would be the most important habit for me. Oh, I think nice. I want to echo um what Alan said because you know I, I, being an entrepreneur right it's really a lesson in humility right because you're always very humbled by how bad your products are and how much you. Can even as a leader I, I mean stop laughing I'm humbled by my wallet <laughs> yeah, tell me about it and my life no but I mean even as a leader because you, you don't know everything right I mean none of yeah. us were born entrepreneurs none of us were born a leader we were never in like big organizations so you you really need to take feedback and most of them are not good, great feedback right you you have good ones but a lot of them are not um, most of them are, are ways to improve and also, I mean, if you're fundraising, I always say that uh, being an entrepreneur is like kneeling on broken glass all yeah. the time. I feel like I'm just begging everybody to do, to give me something. Yeah. So you, you kind of need to have that humility to ask for help, to ask for funding, to ask exactly. feedback, right? And have the same humility to, to actually really improve. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think humility is not just... You know, something that uh, shows that you can eat, you know, uh, uh, economical rice or something. It's, it's really a state of mind that allows you to be open to feedback, to changes. Uh, and, you know, from, from that, always be nimble enough to pivot or, or to, you know, to handle any changes in the, you know, major economic trends or the market, ch changing market demands or, or anything like that. Cool. And um, the second question, the last question of the episode, what advice would you give to another business owner? Let's start with Alan this time. Okay. <laughs> I was going to relax for a few minutes. <laughs> I can go first. <laughs> I think for me, uh, uh, other than the mission, you know, which I've, I think I spoke at length, you know, the believing in what you do, uh, being important because it gets you through challenges. I think the other part, the other strong advice uh, would be to find product market fit early on. 
Um, there's also been quite a number of studies that publish that the number one reason why startups die within the first one to three years is because they fail to establish product market fit. Yeah. And I think product market fit is also a function of timing. Um, sometimes we've seen good ideas that, you know, ideas are really great, frankly, but they are so away, ahead of their time that they are probably not going to last until the point they launch the product. So I would think that, you know, finding exercises, you're getting ways to test your product market fit would be very, very important. Yeah. Can yes. I give you two? <laughs> okay, Anna, let's do it. More value. Okay, okay. Yes. <laughs> no, okay. I, I think um, on top of what Alan said, I will say uh, measure the right metrics and goals. A lot of entrepreneurs, I think a lot of us, you know, um, because of the media and whatever is put out there, we tend to go for vanity metrics. Mm. But, uh, you, you know, whether it's PR or exposure, you know, and I realized that over the years that you really, really need to hunker down and be very focused on a few correct metrics. If you're not even optimizing for the right objectives, then, you know, you're doing it all wrong. Um, and I will say that, okay, I, I guess this is a good ending, but the, the, the second advice is to actually find a group of people who understand your struggles, you know, whether it's a super scaling circles and, uh, you know, friends like the two of you, right? I think both of you and a lot of my entrepreneurial friends are people that can understand what I'm going through and can give me uh, actionable insights and advice. I have a lot of friends in corporates and sometimes I tell them my issues, but to be honest, I mean, to be fair, they are not equipped to share with me um, some of the, how to handle these problems, right? But if let's say today I have a fundraising problems, I have a marketing or branding problem, I think I can go to the two of you and ask for advice, uh, whether it's to optimize my operations or to scale my businesses. Yeah, so I think it's very important to have a good uh, group of people that you can depend on. I love exactly. that. That's what we're doing at Super Scaling, <laughs> building a community. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, my, my journey with Vodian was quite lonely. So I know what you talk what you're talking about. That that network, that support is absolutely crucial. Um the audience will probably want to learn how to reach out to you and your business. So uh Alan, what's the best way for people to reach out to you or your business? I guess if it's to me personally, Instagram would be a good one because uh, my profile is public. Anyone can text me. Uh, if it's to my tick. business, <laughs> it's a worthless tick. <laughs> uh, and uh, and well, if it's to write into my business, I guess you can uh, reach out to us at hello at alchemyfoodtech.com. All right. I'll, I'll have that linked down in the show notes below also. Uh, Anna, what about you? Uh, well, LinkedIn or Instagram. For me, uh, under my name, Anna Hautanto, and email will be partner at the newsavvy.com. Cool. Uh, I also have that linked down below so that people can reach out to you guys. Hey, uh, thank you, everybody. Thanks to the both of you, uh, Alan, Anna. This has been another exciting episode. This time, super exciting because we've got <laughs> two of you on the show. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for listening in. Please remember to like, subscribe, share this episode with somebody that will enjoy this episode as well. Uh, and I look forward to hearing and talking to you guys uh, in the next episode. Take care. Thanks, Alvin. Bye. Thank you.